Good evening, thanks for joining us. We start with some breaking news coming out of Delta, first of all, tonight. Close to 40 people have been taken to hospital as a result of a hazmat situation at a greenhouse. It happened at Winset Farms on 41B Street. Delta police so far are telling us that a number of people were taken ill while pressure washing inside a nursery. It appears carbon monoxide from the gas engine may have built up because of poor ventilation. Now, only about a dozen or so workers uh, showed signs of symptoms. All staff have been taken away uh, to various hospitals around Metro Vancouver uh, to be checked as a precaution. Eight of them have been taken by ambulance. None of the injuries, uh, from what we are being told so far, appear to be serious. I looked out the window and I seen all kinds of trucks coming in and out. Yep. Usually, maybe if there's an accident, one truck, but now they got the hazmat fire truck and stuff in there, so it's... Uh, you know, Have no they one, told you anything? No, I haven't heard nothing at all. Has no. it concerned you at all? I mean, it's far enough over there. If it's anything in the air, then it won't be too harmful for us. But, uh, yeah. you know, you can never be too sure. WorkSafe BC has been called in now to investigate what happened there. Now, police are also investigating a three-vehicle pileup in their case that blocked one of the roads heading in and out of SFU in Burnaby for most of today. This crash at the intersection of Gallardi Way and Broadway, it happened around 10 o'clock this morning. Witnesses saying that the chain reaction crash started when a white van slammed into a black car, which was then pushed into a third vehicle. No word yet on the injuries. Traffic there still very heavily backed up in that area. And police saying that heavy fog is probably one of the things that caused an accident that ended up with two pedestrians being sent to hospital in Surrey last night. Uh, this one happening around 7.30 at the intersection of 80th and 128th in Newton. Witnesses say a black jeep was making a turn when it struck the pedestrians in a marked crosswalk. Injuries described as serious. The driver is cooperating with police. Great news for renters, not so good for landlords. The province announcing new measures today to stop the huge rent hikes seen in markets where vacancy rates are at near zero. The new rules kick in on Monday and Adjie Stewart has the full story. We were evicted 2006. Hollyburn Properties... For everyone here, it's a story they can relate to, the threat of eviction. But for tenants in this West End building, their story is the stuff of nightmares. We had new landlords at the time who walked in and within about three or four weeks dropped a 72% demand rent increase. We were just sort of going flat out defending ourselves. They became the poster children for the geographic area increase clause. Landlords could raise rents, so they aligned with other buildings in the neighborhood. Problem is, the clause was often abused. Prior to the election, I stood over on Harwood Street in a building where a number of renters gave up. They left the neighborhood and they lost their community because of the geographic area increase clause. No longer will that happen. West End MLA Spencer Chandra Herbert announcing the clause is now gone. The NDP government also announcing the fixed-term tenancy loophole is being closed. And there will now be fines for landlords and tenants who repeatedly break the rules. It's long overdue. But, you know, it's horrendous the number of people who've been displaced in the West End and elsewhere because they just didn't have the ability and the knowledge to do that. These changes come into effect Monday across the province. Landlord BC agrees the Residential Tenancy Act needed to be changed, but as there's a more effective solution, the province and cities now need to focus on. 
We need to shift our focus to working together to add to the supply. If we had a 3-4% vacancy rate, we wouldn't be having these conversations. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Now imagine going out for a day in the park, but actually going on a roof to enjoy the whole experience. That is what is what's happening as part of the Oak Ridge Centre redevelopment. It's, they had an open house that was held to get the public's thoughts on what is going to end up being a nine-acre park. And part of the plan is a running track, a performance stage and a civic centre. It's going to be there for the four to 6,000 people who uh, will be moving into the development's residential towers. As we densify transit nodes and, and, and the city changes, uh, we, we start to put more people in, in, in denser and denser environments. We need public space. We need place for people to recreate. We need a public realm with, with amenities like the Civic Centre we're putting in here. We have a new high street coming in, which is going to have restaurants. And so it's going to be an amazing place to live, work, shop. There is a park at grade, but it's not as big as it needs to be. It's, we've heard numbers of 2.3 and 2.5 acres. The legal obligation, which is outstanding, is 2.83 acres, so we'll be asking for the park at grade to be increased. Another round of open houses is being planned for next spring. The final decision going to the park board for a decision next summer. Abbotsford police are saying thank you to everyone who helped them get through one of their darkest times as a force. There was an outpouring of support from across the province and around the world when Constable John Davidson lost his life in the line of duty. Jill Bennett reports. Finding yourself on the inside of a police vehicle often means you've done something wrong, but not at this party put on by the Abbotsford Police Department, where it's all about saying thank you for doing it right. We've had a tough year. This community has kept us standing when we've had some very difficult times. Constable John Davidson was laid to rest on November 19th. He was killed in the line of duty November 6th. Following his death, the police station was flooded with flowers. There have been vigils and continued support for Davidson's wife and grown children. They have been blown away by the support that the community has. We keep having to bring them back and meet with various people who've raised some money in their work group or wherever it is. Thanks for coming today. Oh, well, Santa's here. Instead of trying the impossible task, of reaching everyone individually, Abbotsford Police put out an open invitation to this community appreciation event, a chance to eat, play, and remember a man who touched so many lives. It's still in my heart. I can't I can forget him. John was a very instrumental uh, person to our family this year. My daughter's been growing her hair for three years, and she got her hair cut, and John was the inspiration behind it. For others, gathering is an important part of the healing process. It's an unfortunate, tragic incident. But I think at the end of the day, it's brought the community a lot closer. This community is really tight now. I think this event has uh, really helped the officer police feel more connected with the community. I admire the police department, and that's what I want to be when I grow up. No one expects a couple of hours of fun to solve all problems, but the message from police is clear. It all helps. The healing is going well for, for lots of us. Uh, it's a process. We're recovering. We're not recovered. I really... I want to believe that we'll all get better. Jill Bennett, Global News. Now, a video is circulating online that appears to show a cab driver refusing service to a customer. Kuldeep Gill was trying to get a ride home to New Westminster. When he told the driver where he lived, the cab driver told him to get out. So why don't you want to take me home? I'm not going, man, that far. You don't want to drive me because it's too far? Too far, man. Right. 
because you're not going to make that much money. Interesting. This driver says that he would lose money if he left the downtown core. Now, on seeing the video, Yellow Cab says that they have fired the driver as his actions were against company regulations. He's also facing a $500 fine from the passenger transportation branch for refusing a passenger. Now, it took 10 months of surgeries and therapy sessions and thousands of hugs and tears. But a Pitt Meadows mum who lost both her hands and her feet to a deadly disease is finally well enough to come back home. This is an incredible story of both survival and hope. Julia Foy reports. It takes great concentration and care, but Pitt Meadows mom, Daniel Linfoot, is getting the hang of using a robotic arm to decorate her Christmas tree. <laughs> One at a time, or? Oh, it's so good to be home. I needed to be near the kids again. That was that was a big thing. And to be home before Christmas, that was that was my goal. I got it. We first met Danielle in March when she nearly died from a Streptococcus A infection. She survived, but it cost her both hands and feet. So I didn't think I was ever going to get back. You kind of get to that point when you're in there for 10 months that... It just was never going to happen. Danielle says it happened in part due to John Black, a quadruple amputee she met at GF Strong Rehabilitation Center. She says he lifted her spirits and helped her work harder. I don't ever see him grumpy. I don't ever see him complaining. He's just, if something goes wrong, he's just like, oh, it just keeps trying. He's very persistent with stuff. And yeah, it's really, he's been very good for me. But John Black is struggling to find a place to live since he's been told he'll be discharged from GF Strong on December 13th. Those that are fortunate that can go home with family members and whatnot, that's great for them. But those of us that are not so lucky in that way, we need some living place. Black has been told he may be moved to a hospital in the interior of B.C., away from family and friends in Metro Vancouver. Ideally, I would like to see him here in a place that he needs and I mean he's alone and now he's on a disability. Black's sister has set up a GoFundMe page in the hopes of raising enough money to help support him. So the more independent I get the better I can do right? But that's the big one is to live down here and finish off my physio. Danielle and her family say they're extremely grateful for all the public support they've received. She's hoping the new year will hold new promise for herself and John Black. I need a this Christmas to be a good Christmas, and we'll start off with 2018, and hopefully it's better. Julia Foy, yeah. Global News. A Surrey school is in mourning after a popular student died after collapsing on the court during a basketball game. 17-year-old Rafael Alcaraza was playing for Panorama Ridge Secondary when he went into cardiac arrest last week. Sadly, he died several days later. There was a GoFundMe campaign that had been set up to raise money for his recovery uh, that is now going to be used to support his family. More than $32,000 has been raised. The cause of his death hasn't been confirmed. Now, cooking up and serving a Christmas dinner is always a lot of work, especially if it's for 3,000 people. But there were plenty of volunteers today to help out on the downtown east side, including our very own Sophie Louie. Yep, this was the annual Union Gospel Missions Christmas dinner. Hundreds of volunteers working all morning preparing the 220 hundred pounds of turkey, 800 pounds of mashed potatoes and 300 litres of gravy. Uh, for a lot of people, a warm meal like this can make 
all the difference in their lives. And it was two years ago that a drug-addicted and homeless Richard Lamarche had attempted suicide. At that point, I came in, uh, started to meet some people, felt some relief, uh, saw a glimmer of hope again. And uh, through their encouragement and just general love, uh, found the willpower to try and fight. So we've seen that before where people have come in and they've just decided today was the day. They've signed up for a recovery program and wow, it's made a huge difference in their life. And there was no shortage of people feeling the Christmas spirit on the downtown east side today as well. Thank you, Canada too. Students and, uh, students and other volunteers from across Metro Vancouver raising money to buy essentials for the less fortunate. Uh, today was the day they were handing it all out. We went to the high schools in the community from Burnaby. We got kids that are coming out from, uh, from uh, Sullivan Heights in Surrey. We got kids coming out from uh, Templeton, McGee, Church Hill, and they're coming out to give. It's just like an hour out of our day and it's helping people and it's such a great community of people and like people are singing and like there's food and it's just it's really nice. It was not hard at all to convince people to come. Mm, great work today by all of those who took part. All right, still ahead tonight, California firefighters getting their first big break in their fight against a massive wildfire that is threatening thousands of homes there. And we'll get you the latest on worldwide protests after President Trump's controversial move to recognize Jerusalem. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, there have been more protests around the world today after U.S. President Donald Trump announced Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Palestine will be free. In Vancouver this afternoon, a pro-Palestine rally at the Art Gallery brought out some protesters to condemn the move, saying it ends the U.S.'s neutral position in the region and will damage peace efforts between Israel and the Palestinians. In Toronto, similar protests, hundreds of people showing their anger. This uh, was in front of the U.S. embassy. And Palestinians clashing with Israeli forces for a third day in a row now. Jeff Semple is there with the latest. Today, Palestinians turned from rage to grief, holding funerals for two Palestinian men killed overnight in Gaza by Israeli airstrikes. Now, Israel says it was targeting Hamas positions in the Gaza Strip. Hamas, of course, the Islamist militant group that controls Gaza. And Israel says it was responding to rockets that Hamas had fired from Gaza into Israel. Now, three days since Donald Trump's Jerusalem decision and the fallout is still being felt here with a couple dozen more violent demonstrations right across the West Bank, Gaza, as well as right here in Jerusalem, where Israel police on horseback clashed with anti-Trump Palestinian protesters. But it's worth noting that the demonstrations today were significantly smaller, several hundred people involved compared with the several thousands we saw yesterday, perhaps a sign that the anti-Trump backlash is beginning to fade here. Meanwhile, Palestinian leaders met today to discuss their response to Trump's decision. Since the early 90s, much of the Palestinian leadership has been formally committed to peace negotiations towards a two-state solution. But now some Palestinian leaders want to throw out that framework in response to Trump's remarks. U.S. Vice President Mike Pence is scheduled to visit the West Bank later this month. But today, the Palestinian president, Mahmoud Abbas, confirmed he will not meet with the U.S. vice president during his visit, saying, quote, red lines have been crossed. 
Jeff Semple, Global News, Jerusalem. Iraq's Prime Minister has declared victory over the so-called Islamic State. Haider al-Abadi making the claim while speaking in Baghdad this morning. He says Iraqi forces have driven out the last remnants of the extremist group after more than three years of fighting. ISIS once controlled about a third of Iraq's territory. Iraqi forces now expect a new phase of guerrilla warfare in Iraq and Syria. Protesters greeted the U.S. president in Mississippi as he visited a new civil rights museum today. This coming just days ahead of the Alabama Senate election. President Trump ruffling more than a few feathers today as he's renewing his support for the controversial candidate Roy Moore. President Donald Trump in Jackson, Mississippi Saturday paying tribute to slain civil rights leader and Magnolia State native Medgar Evers. Mr. Evers became a civil rights leader in his community. He helped fellow African-Americans register to vote, organize boycotts, and investigated grave injustices against very innocent people. The president's remarks taking place at the opening of the state's new civil rights museum. We want our country to be a place where every child from every background can grow up free from fear, innocent of hatred, and surrounded by love, opportunity, and hope. He is here for a photo opportunity. But that hopeful message rang hollow for some of the president's critics. Here he is while supporting Roy Moore in Alabama, um, opening a civil rights museum in Mississippi. It's just hypocrisy at its finest. Civil rights pioneer Congressman John Lewis and Mississippi Congressman Benny Thompson boycotted the event because of the president's presence. They said President Trump's attendance and his hurtful policies are an insult to the people portrayed in this museum. They point to Trump's embrace of the birther movement, his criticism of black NFL players' protests, and his remarks after racial clashes that turned deadly this summer in Charlottesville. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it. Trump's appearance in Mississippi came just hours after he offered his strongest endorsement yet of Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore at a rally just over the state line in Pensacola, Florida. We need somebody in that Senate seat who will vote for our make America great again agenda. Several women have accused Moore of misconduct, ranging from inappropriate sexual contact to unwanted romantic pursuit when they were in their teens and he was in his 30s. Moore denies their accusations. The White House initially said the president wouldn't campaign for Moore, but Trump has been increasingly vocal in his support as he tries to pass his agenda with a thin majority in the Senate. Chris Pallone, NBC News. Canada's ambassador to the U.S. is firing back over claims U.S. President Donald Trump made about trade. He said, I'm telling you that Canada has a deficit with the United States. I told my people, in front of a lot of people, I said, go out and check. And he was right. Except he forgot two categories, lumber, timber, and energy. Other than that, he was right. Well, last night in Florida, Trump referred to a closed-door meeting with Trudeau where he insisted Trudeau was wrong. Today, the Canadian ambassador taking to Twitter to correct Trump, referencing a U.S. report that shows the U.S. trade surplus with Canada in 2016 was $12.5 billion. Winds have died down in Southern California, giving a much-needed break to those fighting the wildfires. 
The fires have destroyed more than 500 buildings, more than 700 square kilometres of forest gone as well. Evacuation orders are still in place for several areas. More than 15,000 structures are still threatened. And as California burns, states in the deep south are experiencing snow for the first time in years. A deep freeze across parts of Texas, Louisiana and Georgia has brought between 2 and 15 centimetres of snow, causing massive accidents on the roads. Uh, Birmingham is also seeing its first snowfall before Christmas in two decades. In Atlanta, 300,000 people plunged into the dark when heavy snowfall brought down trees and power lines. But judging from that, people having a good time. <laughs> the kids are the yeah. only ones happy with snowstorms yeah. in the deep south, I or, believe. Yeah. Or the adults that are, that are still kids kind of thing. Right? I suppose, yeah. yeah. I love the snow. <laughs> well, you? last year on yeah. this day, we had all that snowfall in the city. Oh, Not just in the mountains, yeah. I remember. So what would you rather, the fog that we've been dealing with or the snow? Yeah, right? That's good a question. good comparison. Yeah. All right, Barry, we'll check out the sport in a minute. Mm-hmm. But Kasha, um, in terms of that fog, now it has, it's kind of cleared up now? It or is has, it finally. Yeah. You know, uh, we have this beautiful drone footage that we've been showing. And, and for very for, for obvious reasons, it's just been summing Look up our that. weather story for some time. But how amazing in, is this video? Eerie. Thank you to Eerie. <laughs> beautiful. There's the city. Uh, Patrick, thank you for sending that in. It's just been summing up the weather situation. But, yes, the fog advisories, they have been lifted finally. Though there is a chance that we may... May be seeing the fog make a comeback, especially through the evening hours. It's going to be burning off in the morning, but this high pressure that's been responsible for all this fog. It's going to be rebuilding come Monday, so we're going to have to keep a very close eye on that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we do have some uh, freezing rain warnings to the north. I'll tell you about that coming up in your weather forecast. Oh, my goodness. So you're just generally that's to the north. good news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But for the most part, clearing. Uh, all right. Not a bad forecast. In a few minutes, we'll get an update mm-hmm. on that properly. And? Yeah, well, the Canucks are hoping the fog cleared from their effort yeah. the other night against uh, Philly. You knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> You know, the Canucks, I think you can count on one hand the games they haven't played well this year. That was one of them, but always up for the Flames, so we'll preview that one. And uh, they are celebrating in Toronto, second major championship in three weeks. They won the Grey Cup, now the MLS Cup belongs to Toronto, so highlights of that as well. Wow. They can start bragging for the first time for the in like first time. 50 years that they got something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for that, Barry, as well. Um, still ahead uh, in terms of news, the Coquitlam dog walker that was lost in the woods for days. Remember that incredible story, um, how she survived and the heroes who came to her rescue. We'll tell, tell you about that. And if you've put up your uh, decorations outside, if you're putting up them, them too high, they may be risking people's lives. We'll explain that to you as well. Stay with us. Now, an emotional Annette Poitras was sharing her incredible story of surviving in the Coquitlam backcountry today and urging others to take extra caution when hiking. I took my coat off, put it over her, and I said, it's okay, Roxy, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. And I was so weak, and I was so cold. She was speaking at an event organized by outdoor safety group Adventure Smart. This was in New West last night. Poitras said that she was beginning to lose hope after spending two nights on Burke Mountain in November. She kept trying to flag helicopters. Uh, she said she was too weak and injured to do anything more than just scream. Uh, says it was only when she started to accept her fate that she finally started to hear about some help arriving. I was okay to die. I, I, I wasn't scared. I just, I don't know what it is. I was not scared to die. I was ready to go. 
And then, and then I heard someone say, and I kept saying, okay, I'm over here, I'm over here. And then I heard someone, and I'm like, oh my God, thank God. Amazing story. Now, if you're planning on putting up your Christmas lights outdoor this weekend, make sure to avoid pointing them towards the sky. Now, Canada is warning people that the laser lights that have uh, become really popular in the last few years actually pose a threat to aviation safety. They want to remind people uh, that these festive displays should be aimed at solid surfaces like their home instead of at the sky. The beams can enter the cockpit of a plane and they are considered to be a risk to pilots. Now, it's a blow for fans of popular sports like MMA and boxing. The city of Edmonton has vowed to ban combative uh, sporting events. It stems from the death of fighter Tim Hagg in June, two days after he suffered serious injuries in a boxing match. Now an independent report has recommended changes until the city is satisfied that safety will be put first. No events will take place. Many depend on these fights for their bread and butter and says it's now become a battle with the city. The toughest thing is these guys. To do a 12-week camp, it costs these fighters five, six, $7,000. On our end, we'll lose a good amount of money, but it's difficult to... To just because we can pack up and go to another city, these guys what are they supposed to do right before Christmas? They can't just get up and go to a different city. They're they're not competing. This is what they've been training for. A milestone for Canada's shipping industry was celebrated yesterday as the first large vessel to be built under a new federal program is nearly ready for launch. The Sir John Franklin was commemorated in North Vancouver's C-SPAN shipyard. The federal fishing vessel is the first to be built under Canada's national shipbuilding strategy. It is currently 93% finished and is going to travel to Victoria early next week to be completed. The ship is expected to be delivered to the federal government in the summer. All right, still ahead tonight. It's unlike anything you've ever seen outside Vancouver's Rogers Arena. We will show you how these South Asian students who are combining their love of hockey with some serious, serious dance moves. Stay with us for that. Join Global News Morning and Rock 101 as we broadcast live from the 30th annual Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast. Come donate an unwrapped toy and help make this Christmas a little brighter for families across the Lower Mainland. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Welcome back. Now, hundreds of students from Kwantlen and SFU showing a lot of energy by breaking out into a Bungrat flash mob. Uh, this team put together by the organization South Asian Arts. They performed right outside Rogers Arena before last weekend's Canucks game. Uh, the students and organizers uh, connecting the fact that this is so popular as a South Asian dance with their love of hockey. You can't help but move. You see, Kasha? Uh, you can't help but, but, but just uh, move your shoulders. And, and uh -huh. it's all in the shoulders. <laughs> you and then you've got to just me. change the light bulb, you see? Uh, that's right. Changing the light bulb. Okay. Got it. Can't <laughs> believe I actually just did that. And I've it over we to did you that. Quick. We just did that. Yeah, I was going to call you out because as the footage was going, Sonia was totally dancing in there, but she did it on air too. You're a brave girl. <laughs> brave woman. All right. Hey, isn't it a relief? You can actually see a few feet away from yourself on the outside if you're close 
closer to the coast. It has been relentless, the fog, and it's finally lifted for most of us because we do have a week in stability. In the background, you can, you can actually see what's happening. You can actually see the city. We're taking a look uh, to the northwesterly direction. Temperatures sitting at one, still a little on the chilly side. Of course, we didn't see too much sunshine, so our daytime high was about four degrees. A little bit cooler than expected. Tomorrow should be about the same. But this is what it has been looking like for the past few days. I had to show this again because it was relentless. It was beautiful, but it was a little bit of a headache, wasn't it? Through the interior, it was a little bit better with valley fog because of this high pressure that's been in place for some time. And we haven't had any lows move in to mix up the air mass for us and actually allow us to enjoy those warmer temperatures that we have aloft. I'll get more into that uh, coming up. But in the meantime, I want to show you what we do have going on right now. This is our weather warning. It's a freezing rain warning for Watson Lake. We do have, again, those warmer temperatures aloft. And as that precipitation falls, it freezes upon contact because it's cooler, uh, closer to the surface. I'm suspecting that's going to be dropped a little bit later into the day as that low pressure system continues to uh, make its way further east. By the way, all of the the fog advisories, they have been lifted. So we're all in the clear for some time. But still, that high pressure continues to be in place. In fact, we're still seeing uh, cloud cover quite extensive across the province, seeing a little bit of precipitation closer to Williams Lake through the higher elevations. And then this low is now clipping parts of the island, the north coast, and even the central coast. And that's going to be the weather story for us throughout our Sunday, in fact. So Pacific System, you can thank this system for breaking up the air mass for us a little bit closer to the south coast. And that continues to bring us moderate to heavy precipitation along the coast, but it's not going to be uh, coming into the area, coming into the south coast region. Just some cloudy conditions, another day kind of like it was today. So a repeat of today. It was quite beautiful, so nothing to complain about. Meanwhile, to the BCPs, we're looking at a gusty evening for today. Uh, we're looking at a mix of sun and clouds, so stable conditions. But look at the temperatures. We are a good 13 degrees above seasonal for tomorrow. It becomes even warmer on your Monday. Whitehorse also well above seasonal. A rain-snow mix potential for tonight. I know we picked up a good two centimeters of snow through this area. Rain continues to fall for the north coast. It's going to be lightening up tonight. And then... It ramps back up tomorrow through the afternoon, just a heads up there. Uh, through the interior, we're looking at a 30% chance of seeing a rain-snow mix, even uh, potential for some freezing rain through this area. We've been watching that through the radar returns. Columbia, Kootenai, low-level cloud continues for this region, as well as for Thompson and the Okanagan tomorrow, like we saw in that picture. Another day like that could be brisk yet again. And for you up and down the island, it's going to be better through the afternoon tomorrow with a mix of sun and cloud. And take a look at the next seven days for you in the city of Vancouver. So not a bad forecast, a potential for that fog to make a comeback though. Sonia? Thanks very much for that, Kasha. Cheers. We'll see you later. All right, coming up, who has won the MLS Cup? Uh, It has been a victorious end to what has been a record-breaking season, but a pretty well-earned redemption. Barry's got all the details next. Welcome back. Uh, All right, what is happening in the world of sport, Barry? You got some hockey. Mm-hmm. Change things up a little bit. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Of course, we had <laughs> hockey every day. So that's the way we, we go in this. Uh, the country. good hockey. Yes, good hockey. Yeah, right. Thanks, Sonia. The uh, Canucks are making a few changes for tonight's game in Calgary. Andres Nilsson starts in goal. Michael Chaput and newly acquired Nick Dowd also draw in at center. Canucks are coming off a rare flat performance against the Flyers Thursday, but expect to have no problems getting charged up for their division rivals in Calgary tonight. Yeah, when you play the division games, uh, 
a little bit easier just because you see the team more you know them uh, a little bit better you're more acquainted with them as far as the personnel there's a little bit of a little bit more hatred there but I mean every night uh, we come we come ready to play whether it's home road division non-division uh, there's two points available and we, we need them NHL tonight Oilers and Canadians Connor McDavid against Carey Price, and uh, one of them did not have a good night. That would be Carey Price. Gives it away here. Ryan Strom knocks it down. Jujar Kara steps it in. 2 nothing Oilers. Kara's fourth of the year. Early second, the Surrey boy gets another. This time a rebound off the backboard. Kara's got five goals, sixth in team scoring. Pretty good for a guy playing his 41st career NHL game. Then on the power play... Milana Lucic rips it short side, 4-0 Oilers. That's it for Price. He gets the hook. Oilers are running away with this one, 6-2 at last count, late in the third. Jets and Lightning from Tampa, two of the top teams in the NHL. Pick it up tied at one in the second. Lightning rookie defenseman Mikhail Sergachev with a great goal, his seventh. He's just 19. Tampa got him from Montreal in the Jonathan Drouin trade, but the Jets tie it. Nice redirect in front by Kyle Connor, another rookie who's got 10 now. 3-3 in the third. Blues and Red Wings, St. Louis at the top of the Western Conference, and uh, they were no match for the Red Wings, or the Red Wings were no match for them. Second period, Vladimir Sabatka with the ripper under the crossbar past Jimmy Howard. 2-0 Blues. And then Scotty Upshaw, who was uh, in Canuck camp on a professional tryout till the Blues got some big injuries and took him back, and he's had a great year with the Blues. That's his fifth goal already, 3-0 St. Louis. And then in the third, great pass here by Alex Petrangelo to spring Dimitri Yaskin, who makes a great move. 6-1 the final. St. Louis leads the West with 42 points. Leafs and Penguins, Austin Matthews has a big fan in Pittsburgh, and... Matthews makes the kid's day, flips him a puck in warm-up. Classy move, and uh, that little fellow won't forget that day ever. Great start for the Leafs. Big scramble in the Penguin zone. James Van Riemsdyk eventually fires it in. 2-0 Toronto, just two minutes in, and they weren't done yet. Tyler Bozak going to the net, jams away, bangs in the rebound to make it 3-0 after one. 4-2 Leafs now late in the third. Well, Toronto FC has had a year to think about last year's gutting loss in the MLS Cup final to the Seattle Sounders. Today, a chance for redemption as the same two clubs met again in a rematch at BMO Field. Sometimes in MLS, an upstart team will just get into the playoffs and make a run to the Cup, but not this year. These are, without doubt, the two best teams in the league. Sellout crowd at a frigid BMO Field. Game time temp, about plus two degrees. Last year's match was pretty dull. Both teams were cautious. This time, TFC decided they were going to go all out. They had some great chances in the first half. Sebastian Jovenko just puts one by the far post. Jovenko had six shots in the first half alone. Later on, Victor Vasquez from 25 yards out, but Stefan Fry with another dazzling save. Six saves in the opening half. TFC dominated, but had nothing to show for it. Nil-nil. More of the same in the second half. It's Javanko again, just inside the box. Gets a lot on that one, but again, Fry is there. But the relentless pressure finally pays off. 67th minute, Javanko, perfect ball to spring Josie Altidore. Races in. 
and with defenders draped all over him, chips it over Fry. Tremendous finish by Altidore. That's why he's paid the big bucks. 1-0 Toronto. The first goal Seattle's conceded in over four and a half playoff games. And then in stoppage time, TFC sealed the deal. Armando Cooper hammers it off the post, but Victor Vasquez knocks it in the open net. And the celebration is on. Toronto FC win the MLS Cup 2-0 the final. They're the first Canadian team to ever win the MLS Cup. They also won the Canadian Championship and the MLS Supporters Shield for most points during the regular season. So deserving champs. RTFC. Still to come, a look back at the Vancouver Stealth season opener last night. And the Seahawks have a big road test in Jacksonville tomorrow. Red Zone is coming up after the break. Stay with us. Welcome back. The Lions continue to make changes for 2018. Last week, Wally Buono handed off the general manager's job to Ed Herbie. Today, Herbie and the Lions announced that offensive coordinator Kahari Jones won't be back, nor will special teams coach Marcelo Simmons and defensive line coach Robin Ross. The Lions' offense never really lived up to the lofty expectations, just seemed to be a bit of a bland playbook at times that failed to play to the strengths of the Lions, which was supposed to be one of the best receiving cores in the league. While the Seahawks control their own playoff destiny with the final quarter of the NFL season in front of them, the Seahawks are 8-4, a game out of first in the NFC West. But if they win out, they'll not only win the division, but it could be enough to get a first-round bye. But there's a lot of football to be played starting tomorrow in Jacksonville, where the Seahawks will have to be at their best to beat the 8-4 Jaguars. More from Chanel in the red zone. The Seahawks continue their stretch of facing some of the NFL's elites after beating the Eagles last week. Seattle now heads down to the Swamp to face a surprising Jaguars team. Now, a win here would set up a massive first-place showdown versus the Rams at CenturyLink next Sunday. The Jaguars have won five of six, putting up an average of 26 points in those games. But those victories have come against teams that are combined 17 and 42. And of their eight wins this season, only two are against teams with a winning record. Blake Bortles, two touchdowns last week. But since they drafted the quarterback, the Jags are 2 and 12 versus NFC opponents, just 1 and 6 at home. The defense, a big reason why Jacksonville has been so good. Calais Campbell, 12 and a half sacks, third most overall. And the Jags lead the NFL with 45 sacks this season. And when it comes to takeaways, Jacksonville has 27, second best overall. And they allow less than 15 points a game. That's number one in the league. The Jags are favored by two and a half points and are four and two against the spread in the last six. Russell Wilson continues to show his MVP worth. He's thrown a touchdown in 11 straight games, three last week versus the high-powered Eagles, but he now faces a ferocious defense that brings big-time pressure. He's been sacked 28 times this season, but only twice in the last two weeks. With the Jags ranking in the bottom third against the run, Seattle may look to try to pound it on the ground. While they rank 20th overall, Mike Davis was effective last week, 64 yards on 16 carries. Despite missing some key defensive pieces, the Hawks have only allowed 23 total points in the past two weeks. Six sacks and two interceptions in that stretch. Now here's an interesting stat. In the last five seasons, 
Seattle is 7-2 on the road in the month of December. This program is brought to you by Mr. Lube, Canada's number one quick lube, now offering same-day tire services. No appointment needed. Little Bollywood flutter to the red zone this week. Uh, the NFL season started up last night. Vancouver Stealth went nine and nine last year. It was good enough to earn them their first ever playoff appearance at the Langley Event Center. Stealth hosted Colorado at the LEC last night, the only home game this month. Their next two will be on the road before returning home in the new year. The Stealth just four and five at home last season, trying to get that record up and uh, unfortunately playing catch up all night long. Logan Shuss got 35 last year. Nice win there. Tied at 5-5 in the first. Then Corey Small over to Evan Messenger. Tucks that one in, but that was about it for the offense on this night. The Mammoth were just better. Ryan Lee with a little uh, trickery here. Check out that little behind the backhand scoop there. Top shelf. First NLL goal for him. Stealth fall 15-8 there in Calgary next week. All right. Premier League. And, uh, yeah, it looks like the bubble is about to burst on Chelsea's hope of defending their Premier League title. Took on West Ham today. Chelsea 11 points back at front-running Man City. And six minutes in, West Ham, which is near the bottom of the table, get a goal from Marco Arnautovic. Cool as you like there. Great strike. 1-0 West Ham. And that was it. Chelsea with a crippling loss. Uh, they would have needed a fantastic run to chase down Man City anyway. Man City and Man United play tomorrow in what should be a wonderful match. Canada's men's and women's Olympic curling teams will be decided this weekend in Ottawa. Today, the semifinals. Women's side, Rachel Homan versus Jennifer Jones, who won gold for Canada in Sochi. Tied 2-2 in the fifth. Homan with the hammer. Routine takeout there for two. 4-2 after five. Big moment for Jones in seven. Needs a tough double here to get her two, but she jams on the backstone there. It's a steal of one, and Rachel Homan wins 6-3, so she'll meet Calgary's Chelsea Carey for the right to go to the Olympics in South Korea in a couple of months' time. Men's semifinal, Brad Gushu, the 2006 Olympic gold medalist, taking on Winnipeg's Mike McEwen in the sixth. It's a great shot by McEwen. Gets that yellow stone out of the back there, and he now leads it 6-3. The winner will play Kevin Cooey in the final tomorrow, of course, with the winner advancing on to the Olympics. And Rugby Sevens from Cape Town, South Africa. Canada, in a tough pool on day one, lost to Samoa in their opener, but then they came back against the 2016 Olympic gold medalist from Fiji. West Van's Harry Jones gets in for the try. Canada led 12-7. And then Abbotsford's Justin Douglas, using his speed to the outside, just gets in for the try. And uh, Douglas's coach says he thinks that Douglas is the best center in the world in rugby sevens. Pretty high praise there. He scores again, 22-14 Canada. They also beat Wales, so they qualify for the cup quarters where they'll meet France tomorrow. And hopefully tomorrow at this time, we'll talk about them winning a cup. Brilliant. So we had Bollywood music today mm-hmm. and a bit of Bhangra as yeah. well. So you promised you'd like just, uh, yeah, like I, it's I all know. in the shoulders. Like. I, like I said, I'm an uncle at a wedding. I, I, I can't seem to get it. Well, well. Gonna, we're going to practice during okay. the break, during okay? The break, yeah. All right, I will I tell you. I promise I will. Yeah. <laughs> the camera won't roll. <laughs> The second time I've done it on my own now. All right, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stay with us. I need a beer. Tuesday, Vampire Facials. It rejuvenates the skin. Kim Kardashian's a fan. I just want the platelet-rich plasma. So this is now being centrifuged. We'll just inject it into my skin. Tuesday on Global News Hour at 6.
Rachel Badurka with you here, and this is your snow report. Today, temperatures are nice and mild in Whistler. It is 5 degrees with a snow base of 140. In Cyprus, we've got 191 centimeters of snow on the ground. Sasquatch won't be opening up until next Friday. Revel Stoke, 117 centimeters of snow, 61 at Manning Park, and Powder King has 170. Big White has 108 centimeters of snow. It's minus 4 at Silver Star, 100 centimeters of snow, 130 at Apex. All right, finally tonight, news about a dog in New Mexico being punished for attacking the elf on the shelf. Josie has been put into custody after attacking the elf. The family woke up to find the elf in pieces. The head was also missing after launching, look at that, launching a big investigation. They found pieces of stuffing next to Josie's doggy door and uh, the dog has been placed behind bars. A vigil was held in the elf's memory. Dog shaming. Yeah, yeah that's very to sad. To new heights. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching. We'll be back at 11. See you then.